Hey, I'm Bailey. I'm Michael. And I'm David. And welcome back to Facing the Gates podcast. As you know, last time we talked with Pastor John at uh, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, and we just got back from a service at Bethlehem Lutheran. It's definitely, it was different. It was, it was probably most comparable to the Presbyterian Church, but still a bit different from that. Yeah. So I guess we should probably start out with the architecture review, as usual, uh, just so we can kind of paint a picture for people and they can know like roughly what it looked like. Which, if you guys do want to see what the ins- what the sanctuary looks like, you can look up the uh, church even on Google, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to see pictures of the inside. Yeah, uh, it's there. Uh, they have pictures on Google Maps. Um, and I'm, I'm sure they probably have pictures on their website, which is also in the in the show notes. Um, but basically, uh, you would walk into uh, the the back area. They have they use high church language, so it was the narthex, what uh, low church people would probably call the foyer, the foyer, uh, the, the foyer. If you if you're like mid church or French. No. No, that's what uh, middle-class parents use. Yeah, sure. Um, so anyway, uh, that was, you know, what you might would expect. And then you walk into the nave or the sanctuary, and it was, it looked like a church. A lot of exposed wood. Yeah. Well, Pews. As, stained as glass. He best described it like the ship. Yeah. The art. Yeah. Um, so you walk in, there's the, the floors are marble. There's um, a red carpet. Um, going through the center. Yeah, going through the center. There's pews on the sides. Pews have cushions, so that's nice. Big ups there. Yeah, they got, uh, obviously, stained glass windows. All of them are, like, they're very colorful stained glass windows. I like them. And it's a flavor win. Oh, yes. And yeah. to and, the and left or to the right of, what is that word, where the preacher is? Calling me out. Now I forgot it. Hold on. I'll tell you. It is the, keep, keep, just keep rambling and I'll I'll be able to tell you. Well, to the left and right of that, there are, there. Transept. There are That's two. Wooden things that have the hymn numbers on there. Not sure if y'all fellas noticed that. Yeah, did, yeah. On the, it's like a little sign on the yep. wall there. And towards the center, there is the <clears throat> altar, and where the little baptism, the bat- baptismal font. They yep. uh, baptize through sprinkling, which is a little different than other ones. And then in the back, where the body and blood of Christ would be shared to the people of the service. Yeah, so you have the altar behind the... So basically you have... It, it's kind of... It's it's formal if you've ever been in like a Catholic church or something. It's kind of yeah. like that. It, it's shaped like a cross. You have the narthex in the back, and then you have the nave, uh, which is the bottom part where everybody's sitting. And then you have the transept, which is... Um, the kind of the cross part, what you would think of if you're looking at a cross top down, that's the cross part uh, where basically only the pastor is allowed. And I asked him when we were talking yesterday, 
Um, and he did say it's kind of a reference to the Old Testament um, back the way uh, temples were structured uh, in Judaism was you have, you know, the Holy of Holies at the at the end where only the high priest is allowed in because that's where the God dwells. And that was really a safety mechanism because if you go in there unworthily, you get zapped and uh, can die. So the reference to the pastor only being able to go up there is kind of and kind of uh, symbolic of that. Yeah. Um, and then you have the alt, you have the baptismal font in the center there, and then on the left you have um, a podium where they read from the Bible. And then on the right is where the pastor would go to give his sermon. And then behind the baptismal font, which is the probably the tip of the cross, the cross um, you have the altar, and then you have the apse, uh, or that whole area is called the apse, but they have the table, which is the altar. Yeah. And that's yeah. where they would uh, distribute the Lord's and Supper. And as he said, with their altar, it's more forward mm-hmm. instead of straight to the wall, which is a newer thing in the grand scheme of it and then yeah. there's also the candles at the back near the uh cro- the stained glass cross mm-hmm. and then there is a large candle behind where the well near where the preacher gives the sermon and the candles in the back at the start of the procession are lit off of the main candle mm-hmm. and then i notice there are very similar lights to Pastor Trent's church. Yeah, they have, but they have were that more kinda, square. Yeah, uh, at Pastor Trent's at the Presbyterian Church, it was uh, I think it was cylindrical. Yep. Kind of lights with the cross in them. Mm-hmm. This was more like rectangular, um, rectangle cube. Yeah. Was that? What yeah. yeah. It's like a rectangle cube with a cross on it, basically. Yeah. Um, and then open beams in the ceiling where you could see. Yep. Lots of wood grain. And they very tastefully. Beams installed the speaker system where it didn't stick out too much because it's hard yeah. not to have it stick out but they did it very well yeah, they, they attached them to the they attached the speakers to the beams and um, hid the wires the really at the top. Well. yeah and all all in all i really like that style of setup it's very traditional very Formal. quaint yeah because it's a smaller church yeah it, i think there's probably maybe 40 50 people there today yeah and it really quaint, really serene and peaceful, mm-hmm. which is some, something that I personally like. I like the old style architecture. I like the historical aspect behind Having it. A natural lighting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, did they even have lights in there? I think that it yeah. was just... They they had a few of the lights on. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I mean, Most of it was light coming through the windows, though. Yeah. Yeah. They might have just had on because it was kind of overcast. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Yeah. But, hey, still, most I, I really didn't notice. Like, oh, yeah, there's lights. I had to look up, and it's like, okay, yeah, there's lights there, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it, the uh, sanctuary didn't feel too foreign to me because that's similar to what we grew up with. It was an older style of layout and architecture, and I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely like that um, more traditional historic um, architecture style because it, it says church 
more than in place some of, of some of the other churches that we have been to that kind of aren't super I don't know it's just less intentional in in the architecture whereas this is like it it looks like a cross and also like the stained glass windows for example um he mentioned that when we were talking to him yesterday before the interview that it's kind of teaching you theology there was the uh bread and fish there was the lamb uh, there were every the bible pe- the, the bible every piece mm-hmm. of glass had something different that is important to yeah it was biblical symbolism essentially yeah. in in the very center most of it, it like the like the ones by the pews weren't like super complicated. It was mostly like just colors. And then in the center is like the Bible yeah. or like you mentioned the, the bread and the fish. Um, and then at the far end in the apse, there's the cross that was in a stained glass window with lots of colors. And then there's a couple in and the transept that, ha- that were more, I guess, detailed and yeah. ornament and larger. Yeah. But it, I really enjoyed the layout, the the earthy colors of the wood, and it just felt right. Felt like a place of worship. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, been on the kind of opposite end, heading out of there. There's the mess hall, and then we ended up in his office, which right on the other other side of the uh, the sanctuary. Yep is some offices and uh, some places to, to, like you said, a mess hall. Uh, yeah, kind of I forget exactly what he called it, but kind of, as you know, a lot of churches have somewhere where they cook and yeah. serve. Yeah. yeah, and they also take meals to the shut-ins and a bunch of other things. So, mm-hmm. so I guess let's probably go ahead and start with the actual service that we went to today um he mentioned that typically they do the lord's supper i think he said roughly about once every other week is, yeah. is what it boiled down unless to unless it falls on an important a feast day or something yeah. yeah yeah and i think he mentioned was was it him that wanted to yeah start doing it every week he want yeah he wanted to bump it up to do it every week because he said they had gotten away from that but um Today was one of the days they did not do it, so it was a little bit of a shorter service. Yeah, which even with it being a shorter service, we were in there for what forty-five minutes. It was like forty minutes. Yeah, but which we were in there a little longer because we got there a little early. But it's it felt it stupid short. It didn't feel. It felt like half that time. If yeah, it felt like we'd been in there for twenty minutes and it was over. Yeah, if you can through traditions hold that audience and if you are paying attention and enjoying something it feels shorter yeah and plus in the service it's very structured Mm -hmm. which also helps for new people like us where this is something very foreign to us compared to what we're used to I was still able to follow along and understand everything thanks to them giving us a bulletin, which big shout outs. Yeah. And the structure yeah, we were, of we it. We were greeted when we walked in and they handed us bulletins and then they had the uh, a guest sign in. Yeah. 
and it was very structured, very flowing, and it felt like it was how it should be is kind of what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. It, That's okay. You can say that. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I we all seem to enjoy the more traditional services more than the more modern services. Mm-hmm. And that structure is part of the reason. Yeah. But there was a lot of uh, preacher talking and congregation responding mm-hmm. due to the invocation exhortation yeah we can we can go through basically everything yeah but first oh chair review this is the first uh church that we've been to what believe actually, it or not that actually, actually had pews yes yeah, i mean the uh but they had cushions on them yeah the presbytery it was it was, it was chairs kind of like a in between yeah it wasn't like okay look i'm not gonna say like it was the most comfortable, luxurious seat I've ever sat in. But like, if you got the cushion for your your cheeks, uh, that's what matters. And then you got like the wood back. Okay, whatever. Like it, it didn't, it wasn't painful for the amount of time that I was in there. I didn't feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So what? What are you? What uh, and see, I I can put up with the lack of modern luxuries like cushion chairs, like we've had. Yeah, well, I mean, if they didn't have cushions on those pews, it would have been painful. I still would have dealt with it because I love the look. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, I was also the child that would fall asleep in church. Uh Uh-huh. So if it's uncomfortable, then you won't fall asleep? Oh, you would fall asleep on wood pews. Yeah. Wow. Now, there's only one set of wood pews that I found were extremely uncomfortable. Oh, yeah? Uh... The church we were local to, uh-huh. the small church building, those were terribly uncomfortable. I'm sorry. <laughs> terribly uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, I get, I don't know what relation of church they were to us, but the church that we had like the lock-in and all that with, mm-hmm. their pews were also terribly uncomfortable. <laughs> terribly uncomfortable. But these, these weren't bad. Yeah. All right, chair review's done. We we, well, just, we just had to, we just had to review that because like we, we always do architecture review and chair review. That's yeah. that's always part of the thing. It's important. But I'd give them a solid eight out of ten for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, classic pew. I don't I don't want to do ratings. I I'll just like either you pass or you don't. Yeah. So I would say they pass. Yeah, classic pew with some cushion, nice little slots for like the uh, Bible, Bible and hymn book. hymnals. Well, they didn't have hymnals. They had uh, uh, the service book. Oh, yeah. So, because with the bulletin, they put the hymns in the bulletin um, every week. So, the I, I wanted to look through it more. But I didn't have a ton of time to do that. But um, they have, like, written out prayers in there. And that's as far as I got because I only looked at the first page. Um, okay. But then the service started. And but we- uh, then they have, like, the NIV Bibles for you. And they have... Like I said, the service book on in the back of the pews. Yeah. So if you've been in a church with a pew, you you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one just has a nice little cushion to it. Mm-hmm. So we sat down, and once it started, um, there was a bell, and I kind of was like, "Hey, it's about to start." Just so you know. Okay. Just to to go off our bulletin. Uh huh. 
Service of preparation. After the bell tolls, please deserve a time of silence. Yeah, I, um, that was the one thing on this that I didn't read and didn't notice, but I'm glad you noticed. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so they had someone go up and take a fancy candle lighter. Candle lighter that was on a long stick. Yeah. And, um, there was a candle already lit up there. They took the candle and then they, uh, went around and lit the, the other candles, candles in the back the six candles um behind the altar um side yeah while the pianist organist electric I'd, organ I'd, piano thing i'm not really sure what it was i'd go pianist it wasn't quite a piano yeah but it was but little, it was they it was, they played it on piano but it the sound was probably more close to like electric oh, organ or yeah, something well essentially electric organ yeah. Um, the so that electric they're, they're, organ plays the same as the piano. Yeah, they were playing that. Uh, that's in the very back of the church. Um, so I wasn't paying attention to it because, you know, you're sitting in front of it. Um, and no, people, we don't sit at the very back. No, no. We're sat in the middle. <laughs> yeah. We always, we usually sit in the middle. Yeah. Now, the church that we went to the service before this we kind of sat on the back yeah well that's because that's, we were sitting we were, with people. we were led there <laughs> yeah um and then um pastor john came up and gave some announcements i like his vestige by the way the the, the white robe yes and the, um I, the sash thing it's not, well, it's not a sash it's the i don't know what it's called i know what you're talking about yeah it's he had the, the green thing around his neck it it looked cool there looks snazzy very very informal review of his garments but it's pretty pretty dope yeah uh but yeah and then he um i think they started with him yep. was the first thing that the, yep. that actually happened a hymn and the invocation mm -hmm. and it was interesting because the hymns that were sung obviously you had the keyboards in the back that's kind of uh you know they, they play a little intro and then you start but the pastor himself this is the first church that we've been to where the pastor or any worship leader no one is leading the worship it's just the entire congregation kind of supposed to figure it out and just sing along with the keyboard they should raise i thought it was interesting yeah yeah and I noticed that uh, he, after the announcements and before the hymn, he sat down mm -hmm. and let the hymn play, and then he rose again. Mm -hmm. Which is, that's something that we've obviously haven't seen yet. Yeah. Like that. So I I wanted because with a lot of these I want to talk about like kind of the the implications of of why people do certain things. A lot of the other churches we've gone to, um, particularly the more mega church esque ones, the more emotional, more contemporary. Yeah, look, uh, it it looks like you know, it looks like they're bringing. You could argue. I'm not saying that the, that they are. You know, that's that's not obviously not their intention. But it looks like you're drawing attention to you, and not to God necessarily. So I think when 
a church like this one, like the Lutheran church, doesn't have a worship leader or the pastor leading the song. Um, that speaks to it not being about him. I think that's what the implication is yeah. that you're trying you you're supposed to get from that is that it's not about any one individual person. It's about God. Yeah, you're not singing towards the preacher. You're singing towards God. Mm-hmm. And that's like one thing I noticed was during the prayer, and he, I think he mentioned this yesterday. He turns and faces the same direction we are facing. Yeah. So he he puts his back to so, us and yeah. then faces the altar along with everyone, which is symbolic of he's no different than the rest of us. He's he's just leading that worship. He is not. He's still just the mortal man. Right. Um, and a lot of more formal churches will do that. Yeah. And then you brought this up on the car ride when you talked about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The, uh, how he did the cross. Yeah. Um, so there, there are certain points where he would, uh, like, for example, during the invocation, um, when he, he would say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he would make the sign of the cross. Um, Which is pointed out here. In the bulletin. Yeah, it shows which the... Which is really cool. Yeah, it shows the cross there. Um, no one else... I, did you see anybody else making the sign of the cross? So he was the only one doing that. I that don't know, I I don't know if that's that's a... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just an observation. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not, again, super brushed up on this, but they... Uh, Catholics and... Protestants, by ex- extension of being uh, originating from Catholicism, um, the ones that do make the sign of the cross, they make the sign of the cross. Um, they go from head to chest and then left to right on the shoulders. Uh, whereas Orthodox go top, bottom, right, left. Um, apparently, that's how it used to be originally, but then. Catholics changed it, and then obviously Protestants just kept that because they, that was what they were familiar with. I'm not super brushed up and familiar on that, um, but it's just one little observation. Yeah, uh, different Christian groups make the sign of the cross a little bit differently. So. Yeah, and then after the exhortation, there there were only two little bits of silence throughout. Which this one is, as he said, was for reflection on God's word and self-examination, which yeah. is something interesting to me because usually the only, usually silence is in between, say, a song or a prayer, things like that. But this was kind of... Mo- it moves on to the next thing and it's, it's constantly yeah. flowing. It's not, it's not like yeah. you're rushing to get through it. It's just it has a natural flow to it. Yeah, and I like that the silences are plain and purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, uh, for example, like the confession of sins and then the absolution. Um, they were very call and response. So the... Uh, well... The confession of sins, for example, was spoken, um, but the pastor would say something, and then, you know, it, it's outlined the part that the pastor says in the in the uh, 
bulletin, and it's outlined the part that the congregation says. Um, and then a lot of the songs um, and hymns followed that same kind of format where the pastor would kind of give, phrase. sing a phrase and then the congregation would sing a phrase. So it's kind of like that call and response yeah. type thing. And there were a lot of um, songs or hymns uh, that were chanted kind of uh, using, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent certain. I think it is Byzantium chat. But it's it's very like microtonal and it sounds foreign if you haven't heard it before. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely interesting because it's it's not like your run of the mill like you just sing hymns or and you, then, you sing worship songs. Preacher comes up, gives announcements, says some Bible phrases, and preaches a sermon. Then you're out of there. It's formulaic, but it's not. I don't know. It it's, they use the term liturgy, so they they prefer to call it liturgy, um, which again goes back to that kind of high church language, which technically you can call any service liturgy. It's 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 kind of interchangeable, um, but calling it liturgy implies that it's a little bit more formal and serious, yeah. and the structure is more intentional. Yeah, and it it felt like that. Yeah. There were lots of um, hymns. There, there was obviously like your your big number hymns, but then there were lots of um, little things like the Gloria in Excelsis. I mean that that was a, obviously that was a hymn. I'm trying to look for one um, like the Kyrie. Yeah, that were that... very a lot of them that were like fairly short. Uh, that weren't like full on songs. It was just kind of sung confessions, sort of. Which is vastly different than what we are used to. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of, uh, for the first portion of the service, it was uh, kind of that call and response, hymns, announcements. Um, and then... There was the Old Testament reading, which this week was from Ezekiel, Ezekiel 17. And then there was an epistle reading from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. And then he did a, a gospel reading. Well, there was a song, hymn, a, a short alleluia and verse. And then he read from Mark chapter 4, which is interesting um, because when we went to uh, the Presbyterian church, there was an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. And in this one, there is, uh, you know, the Old Testament and an epistle and gospel. So there's like three readings. Yeah. Um, so I, th the, I thought that was interesting. And the service of the word from Psalms. Mm hmm Yeah. Um, there was lots of like intermissions for... Um, the songs and stuff, the hymns and, and some, like I said, some of them aren't super like hymns. Like you would think it's kind of just like probably the best way to describe it is sung confessions of what people believe. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, sorry about that. That was a, uh, there's a 
person riding a four wheeler that has a. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> and then one thing that I noticed on the uh, bulletin. Mm-hmm. What it gives a lot of information. Mm-hmm. About what do you mean? Uh, like, like on the announcements on the back. Yeah, the people who, and he also mentioned the people during the service, but like in the prayers, their shut-ins, their adopted families, mm-hmm. and then if you look at the back, you also get the budget at a glance, and things that currently are going on. Yeah, which. And even the attendance for the week prior, mm-hmm. which as someone, ooh, one second, get a crip. But as someone who <clears throat> is outside of Christianity and looking in, that's transparency where a lot of places don't give you that transparency. Yeah. And, and then after, after the uh, readings, he gave his sermon. Which wasn't super long. Um, I th- like I said, we were in there for roughly 40 minutes. And some sermons... Oh, my goodness. ...are longer than 40 minutes. Just the, just the sermon. Yeah. Uh, not including everything else that's in the service. His was probably like 10, 15 minutes. If that. Yeah, it was... I mean, it was short and to the point. And it as, was... Go ahead. As he referenced with uh, Martin Luther word already has done it yeah he for was like the better terms he was essentially saying he was quoting luther that the you know luther believed that he didn't do anything it was the word that did yeah the work basically so he was like you know don't stress about you know when you're speaking to people don't stress about you know being good enough or convincing enough because the work the word does the work in it in itself yeah which is vastly different from what we grew up around in baptist circles yeah which was a lot of conviction convincing and things of that nature yeah but his his uh his sermon was much more uh I don't know. It was it was theological. I think it's kind of hard to describe because, uh, like I, I mentioned in the car, and I was having a difficult time articulating it. But it's kind of like he was giving, like the sermon was kind of an extension of the rest of the service. It was kind of liturgical and formulaic in the same way. But not like in a bad way. It's just like you would have to really dig into it to pull apart something like a like, for example, if you were to go to like a a, a Baptist sermon, you know, like the the moral is clear, you know, and the the overarching story out there. Yeah. Or catchphrases. The overarching story or point to the message is is clear, whereas he kind of brought a lot of little things, but there wasn't like one big takeaway i think there's a lot of little things that that build upon kinda, each other yeah kind of related like to how, one another how the service because it builds upon itself and it right. flows in that way yeah and that's what i mean by it kind of feeling like an extension of that is it it, it feels homogenous with the the rest of the service basically 
Um, and then he, uh, then well, then there was the Apostles' Creed that everyone um, confessed. He said they go between the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. See, I can only remember two of those names. I remember Apostle and the second one. The Nicene? Yeah, the Nicene. I can never remember the name of that third one. As much as I've heard you say it and other people mention it. Yeah. That's all right. Um, I did notice just an interesting observation in the Apostles' Creed um, where it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. um, And the, the following line doesn't say the Holy Catholic Church. It says the Holy Christian Church and Communion of Saints. Um, obviously, they don't want to be associated with the capital C Catholic Church. They believe that they are the lower C Catholic Church, uh, lowercase c, yeah. as we kind of discussed in the interview yesterday, that they believe they are the one true church, but that they are not the institutional Roman Catholic Church, basically. Yeah. They are the one true, but they're not the Roman Catholic. Right, right. They're, um, they're not what we would, in modern terms, perceive as Catholic. Yeah. But the literal what, translation of the word. Yeah, that because those, those are weird, um, kind of weird religious words that people don't always understand at, at first glance. So what I like to phrase it is like, capital C Catholic is like the Roman Catholic Church. That's the, that's what capital c the one with the pope and all that yeah little c catholic church catholic just means universal so catholic is the universal church what the catholic church proposes the capital c catholic church proposes is that it is both the capital c catholic church and the little c catholic church whereas certain like like the lutheran church they're going to say that they're the little C Catholic church, that they are the universal church. Yeah. The same thing with Orthodox. Um, There's capital O Orthodox, which refers to the Eastern Orthodox or maybe the Oriental Orthodox. Um, And then there's the little O Orthodox, which might refer to like what C.S. Lewis would call mere Christianity, like the core tenets of Christian belief that like every Christian believes basically. Yeah. So those those words can kind of get confusing sometimes, and people will talk past each other uh, if, if you don't know the distinctions on that. Um, but yeah, after the Apostles' Creed, he did a prayer of the church. I think everything that he did um, was a written, formalized thing. Yeah. Because the... the, the in the back of the pews, you have like, you know, you have the Bible and then you have a, the service book. There's written prayers in there as well. I assume he has uh, basically everything that he does during the service is a formalized written thing. Because that's typically what liturgy is, is specifically written, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned there's the offering and that, you know, you could go after or before. Uh, and then he did the offertory hymn. And then the congregation um, said the Lord's Prayer. Then he gave the benediction and one last hymn. And then the service is over. Yeah, so that was, that was pretty much it. What, do you, what yeah. did you guys think of it overall? Short, sweet, to the point. 
felt very formal, felt very worshiping instead of preaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though he is the a, a preacher, a preacher, it felt like he was just as much part of the congregation speaking to God as yep. he is a preacher. Yeah, Pastor John never gave me any like ego vibe. He very he felt like he was very humble in how he spoke. Yeah. And even yesterday after we did the interview, he was like, I hope I represented Lutheranism to you appropriately, you know. Which So I mean I, yeah, I, I, it was just good. I didn't get, which I don't think I've really gotten a, a major sense of ego from any of the people we've interviewed so far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Okay. All right. But everybody at home. Well, so, all right. Well, let, let me put it this way. There have been people who have been more humble than others. Yeah. Um but- and with but saying I that, th- I feel all their hearts are in the right, their hearts are in the right place. But we are just mortals. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's not a dig at anybody. Please don't take that as a dig at anybody. Who is Michael mooming about? Fine. Let's 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 start a riot. Um, email us at facingthegatespod at gmail dot com and tell us what, what which one. Hey, hey, Michael, which one was you? Which was the one you were talking about there? We probably. I'm probably not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> probably not. But but yeah, I I don't know. What uh, is there anything else that that what what else do we need to talk about as far as takeaways from it? What about the uh, the interview? Is there anything that has simmered that you drew out or that you thought just, about? Just sitting there, it, it kind of made me just think. Kind of as Michael said with uh, Pastor Trent, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a fireside chat with your grandpa. Yeah. Very, yeah, he was nice and peaceful. Mm-hmm. Very peaceful. And that couch that I said, comfortable. Dude, the chair I was sitting in. Not sure if extremely. you guys can hear this, but mwah. yeah, it was fabulous seating. I, it was in his office. My, the, the chair I was sitting in was a big leather reclining chair that was very oh. cushiony. Passes the chair review. And, well, uh, at least all the, the interviews I've been a part of, the I chairs decent. have definitely passed the interview. Yeah. Well, the review, not the interview. Yeah. All the chairs and offices have been pretty good. Yeah. But if they don't I, have anything else, they have at least good chairs. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I enjoyed. I've enjoyed all these interviews we've done. Mm-hmm. But you can tell that these people represent which denomination they are mm-hmm. and you can really feel that yeah. with the different ways that they go about it and how they speak their gesticulations mm-hmm. the words they use and it really was just a relax there was no pressure or anything yeah just a good talk yeah I like um when he was giving answers, a lot of them were pretty short and sweet. Uh, he he elaborated when he needed to, and if we needed clarification, he was willing to go into that. But, I mean, he didn't ramble on forever, which, I mean, 
no offense, but sometimes pastors can do that. They like to ramble on and get on their rabbit trails, but which we we do too. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. This whole podcast is a giant rabbit trail of different rambling. Yeah. Of <laughs> madness. Just fall into different rabbit holes from time to time. But uh, I I think that is a lot to do with. I guess the way the service is done also because there's no ego involved. Yeah. And so it's designed to not be about you instead of rambling about, you know, certain things. He kept it short, sweet and simple when he needed to. Yeah. Or when it was called for. Uh huh. And, and when he gave the, uh, he gave us a little bit of a tour of the sanctuary before we did the interview and was kind of talking about the parts of the rooms and, and why they made certain design choices. And it was definitely very informative in, in the way that they structure their building. Yeah. If I was a preacher, I'd love to have a church like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I liked it. Could just sit in there. Just think. Yeah. And get a nice natural light in. It's always great when, because there hasn't been a church I haven't felt welcome at. Mm-hmm. And as an agnostic, as someone who isn't usually the biggest fan of organized religion as a whole, mm-hmm. it is great to see people take their faith and welcome people with... Strange piercings. Well, different, <laughs> differing perspectives. Yeah. And accept them in and talk and you know because I didn't know much I knew nothing about Lutherism Mm -hmm. I didn't know much about most of these denominations besides Baptist Mm -hmm. and that's one thing that is great is it feels like we've all just been welcomed in to have these conversations and to get information yeah and I think that's just an overarching theme Mm-hmm. But this interview really just felt like sitting with your granddad and learning. Yeah, and it was. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. I enjoyed the service. Enjoyed the interview. Enjoyed the heck out of the building. Yeah, yeah. Like mwah, stained glass. <laughs> I almost bought a stained glass light bulb yesterday. <laughs> okay, that exists. Yes, they're at Target. Okay. Wow. Uh, so you got anything to add about the interview that you want to touch on? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think he was he was very informative, and he, he like I said, he, he was to the point. Um, he elaborated when he needed to, and I don't know. I, I think it was it was good. It was a good interview. As Mar- he answered the questions well, I think. I, I think, as Martin Luther said about God's word, we we can kind of put towards this and referencing that the words speak for themselves. There's not really too much more we need to ramble on about. Yeah. And if you do happen to want to join this church on a Sunday, they do have live streaming. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the churches we've been to have. Yeah, most streaming. of the churches that we've been to have been trying to implement. Uh, live streaming a lot of churches have already but especially with covid the ones that haven't have kind of been forced to learn how to do it at least um like they were just doing it super simple Mm -hmm. now say like um 
I know Heights had their own app for app for everything, and I think Mercy did too. Yeah, yeah. But, but that comes with being a large church. church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to find out, like, hey, do y'all happen to have a live stream or anything? Even if it's kind of more informal on Facebook. Could just always send them an email. Let them know you're interested. Yeah, they they most likely most of the churches we've been to probably have previous broadcasts available either on their website or on Facebook. Um, and if you don't know, you can always shoot them an email. Yeah, They'll probably be excited. Someone's interested. Yeah, we we have all the the obviously we have our contact information, but we also have the guest contact um, in each of these. Interviews and our thoughts, um, you can go check out the church, and if you're in the local area, you can connect with them, and if you're interested, talk to them. But yeah, I'd, I'd recommend, if, say, you are an atheist, and agnostic, or even if you have a denomination you follow, or if you're an undecided Christian, mm-hmm. I'd really recommend, if you're listening to these, even if you don't watch the whole service, mm-hmm. watching some of it, to get kind of get a taste yeah. Like, that's what we're doing, going to these churches. We're getting a taste. Yeah, we're not getting, like, the fully orbed, committed, you know, experience of being a part of that tradition. But we are getting kind of a taste of it by doing a, a brief interview, getting some of the basic ideas of their theology underway, and going to one of their services where we can get just a snippet of what going to that church would be like on a regular basis. Yeah, and there is one thing that I do want to say. I am a very pro-choice person, but I do appreciate that one of the things that they raise money for, even though it is a pro-life organization, it's one that reaches out and tries to help women through unwanted pregnancies, and, and it seems to me welcomes with open arms. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I appreciate instead of condemnation and fire and brimstone. They're welcoming in and forgiving and trying to help these people. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that's that says more about what what you choose to put your time and money into as a church also represents you as a church. And that's something that I... I respect the hell out of. Yeah, I'm glad he explained what the the two yeah, because major I, things that they donated to I knew were. what Axe was already. Yeah, I'd heard of it. Because, I just wasn't uh, super. Like when we were, I'd say, sixth grade, our mom worked at a food bank, and that's first how we found out about Axe, and then she worked at Salvation Army, I think, and they also worked together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but because her mom did those kind of uh, social service kind of type jobs, that we found out about it. Yeah, but it's a acts as a big help for a lot of like the homeless population and stuff for like that. People getting on their feet or living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, and to me, even if I may be on the opposite side of a political spectrum, that doesn't matter to me as much as helping people. Yeah, we. I can put aside my differences if you're put if you're putting the effort in and showing that you're about what you say you are. Mm-hmm. I got all the respect for that in the world, so I gotta 
give it up to you guys. Like, seriously. Yeah. And I think that's just, that was the last thing I wanted to touch on because I was looking at the back of the bulletin and that's something that hit my eye. Like, I need to talk about that. Yeah. But all in all, it's it was a pleasure interviewing. Mm-hmm. It was a pleasure going to the church today and short, sweet, and simple. Yeah. It's been good kind of, like you said, getting to know, because a lot of these churches, like I've known one or two things about, but it's good to kind of experience it firsthand and be like, okay, now I know what a Lutheran or a Presbyterian church is about. Because a lot of the churches I've, I've, I've been to a couple types, but I haven't been to a whole bunch. Yeah. And you so haven't it, experienced the full spectrum. And right, honestly, yeah. I didn't even know this, there was a church where this one's located and I drive by there every day, almost every day. Yeah. And I'm, I kind of wish I knew it was there before because I love the architecture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got anything else, David? I, I think, I don't think I have anything. I think that's pretty yeah. much it. Pretty much it. Yeah. Pretty much it. Um, I think everything speaks for itself, really. If you're mm-hmm. interested, listen to an interview, get in contact with them. Maybe sure. view a live stream. If you're not in there, if you're in there, stop by and we'll be glad out. to have you. Yeah. And check out all our other interviews. Check out our social media, which are found on the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can at, check out our podcast. You can check out our podcast on everything. Literally everything. Basically everything. <laughs> There's not a. It's on Pandora and iHeartRadio. <laughs> Who uses those it's in 2021? YouTube. Yeah. Especially on YouTube. Trust yeah. me, I know. Yeah, David uploads the YouTube videos because he has better internet. Um, but yeah, I'm just that's, terrible at putting tags in. Yeah, it's all right. I I take care of that for you on my end. But uh, that's that's pretty much it. Next time we're actually we are. If if you thought you know the the range of styles of services from contemporary to traditional, um, I think that you know. We've gone to some very traditional churches. We've gone to some very contemporary services, but uh, the the very traditional, traditional, like that that end of the spectrum goes a lot further than we've bells. than we've experienced, and uh, we might we might get to know that a little bit more next week when we are interviewing an Anglican priest. Dun, dun, dun. So yeah, that's about it. I gotta say, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. It's been real fun. It's been real fun. It has been real fun. It has been very real fun. (laughs) All right. That's it. We'll see you guys guys next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye.